Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Reformed Meditations. I'm Lee, and back again with Josh. What is up? Nothing. Just uh, just reading some Mark. Awesome. Can't wait to uh, hear the fruits of your study. Uh, you have a big announcement, I believe. I do, or it's mediocre, but it's great. I, I started a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Woo! I did. I thought you you convinced me to start one. I enjoyed talking to my mic so much. <laughs> talking alone in an empty room. I do. I love it. And if anyone's in the room, I can't do it. So. <laughs> but yeah, you well, can. Same I'm, name. Same name. Just Shepherd's Cast, and uh, it's mostly like ten minutes long. You know, I wanted to make something that people could listen to on their way to work if they didn't drive an hour every day. Yeah. That's good. I think uh I think it's 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 good that you uh forged ahead and added one more solid reformed podcast into the uh into the world. So I'm I'm happy for you. That's the plan. For it to be great, I mean. That's right. M- make reformed podcasting great again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd vote for that guy. <laughs> so we're back in Mark, like you said. Uh, Mark 1, 21 through 28. That's correct. I think that's what our attorneys agreed on. <laughs> they did at the meeting. Did you, did you read last time or did I? I can't remember. I don't remember. But I, we'll I'll draw straws. Read. I'll do the Go reading. for it. And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So ends the reading. Hey, man. man. So this is an interesting one. I I, I love that we get another immediately. I I get a little giddy every time that word in Mark. (laughs) Immediately on the Sabbath. He entered the synagogue and was teaching immediately yes. immediately uh as was his tradition to go into the synagogue on the sabbath on the jewish sabbath <laughs> absolutely this is something this is something that we should we should pay attention to you know he he made it uh, it was his tradition to go to synagogue on the appointed day which for him at that time was saturday and now we as Christians have an appointed day, which is Sunday, and we make all these excuses. Tell them, tell a word about it. Say a word on that. <laughs> Hebrews, as the Hammond play. begins to play, <laughs> <laughs> get your butt to church. Easy, pure and simple. <clears throat> get in there. So, uh, my favorite part uh, of this, uh, uh, I, tra- I did it like verse by verse breakdown this time instead of last time we did passages. Ah. So 21 through 22, uh, it, uh, we, I've been talking about Mark Jones' book a lot, Knowing Christ. You said you've read that one? Yeah. 
So good. So, yeah, absolutely. And it says, uh, it's funny because I, I read through RC's commentary on this uh, after I read it. And RC says that um, the way they're astonished at his teaching is they're, they're astonished at his interpretation of scripture, which uh, Mark, Mark Jones kind of touches on that in his book whenever he says that the, his life wouldn't, wasn't like necessarily divinely just everything that's going to happen to him was shown right into his head right then and there at birth. But that I think Luke says that he grew in knowledge and in wisdom. So we mm -hmm. can assume that he studied the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when he's, you look in uh, um, Luke and John with the uh, temptation in the desert where Jesus quotes scripture three times. Like he didn't just come with three downloaded. Like us, he had to study. So he had to study and memorize and learn to interpret. Right. Absolutely. It, it's, uh, it's another addition to the, to the humanity tick, I guess you could say, because we, we do so well at relieving him of that. We got to, we got to remember that he also had a human soul. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the confession say? A rational human soul, I think is yeah. the, is the phrase. Yeah. Rational human soul. Right. I think, uh, for, for a while, uh, no one ever really talked about it. And, you know, Christology is so left by the wayside. Uh, I think for a while I even believed, you know, well, he had a human body and a God soul kind of thing going on. Um, but, you know, the more you study, the more you realize, no, he had to be 100% human body and soul in order for this to work. Yeah, yeah. I love that tr truly God, truly man, um, because we're we're used to talking about degrees and percentages and, you know, 70-30 splits, 50-50 splits, things like that. No, no this, is, this is about trueness. That he did not have a, a false humanity or a uh, a counterfeit humanity. He had true humanity, the way that humanity should have been without sin. And, and that is hard to wrap our minds around because we only know humanity having been marked with sin. Right. And he couldn't sin. I mean, he was God, but he was also man. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's an interesting thing to chew on. I think I had a better understand or. I, what I thought was a more understandable um, hypostatic union before I started reading his book. <laughs> now I know more about it, but now I, I realize I didn't know anything at all. Yeah, well, and, and you know, the, the hardest part is that there are, uh, there are disagreements uh, within the church on um, aspects of, of Christology, too. Like, for instance, um, there are issues uh, with like the Roman Catholic Christology and, and also Lutheran Christology um, in comparison with what I think we would both claim in the Reformed tradition. Uh, uh, they they kind of – it's going to sound mean to say, but they kind of uh, – they, they over – I think they overemphasize the, the divinity aspect and underplay the humanity aspect. Um, and, and there have been people in the past who overplay the humanity aspect and uh, downplay the the divinity. I think a lot of the secularists certainly do that. Um, but I think the the proper way to do it is we need to see the divinity and the humanity of Christ properly. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you even see that back in in Scripture. What is it? John approaches the Gnostics with all all, all of that, and that's where we get a lot of that from. Uh, approaching the fact that they're kind of all mystical and leaving out the flesh altogether because it's super sinful. Uh, so yeah, so this, this authority aspect, 
no, you're to go back to that. You're you're right. You know, this is this is someone who not only studied hard, understood the scriptures, but but also the authority of knowing these scriptures were pointing to him in appointing uh, it, it, it um, not just merely pointing to him, but also setting up for the very moment that he was in his earthly ministry and what would go on after his life, death, and resurrection. First, he should have been teaching with authority, right? At, at that moment, he's the only person who could have taught with authority. Exactly. Uh, and it's funny. I don't know if you've ever read any of like rabbinical literature or ever peeked into any of it. Um, but it's so funny. Uh, they they teach as having no authority at all. Like the the midrash, that stuff is just. Um, well, this say this. And this sage said that it's it's like days chaining quotes together, and making policy out of it, you know, for for how to live the life. And there there's no authority at all. It's just somebody said this and we like it. Somebody said this other thing and we like this. We're going to use this as a basis for an extra biblical tradition. Is that like the Talmud? Like I'm not, I haven't read any of that stuff. Yeah. I, I wanted to wait until after I had a better understanding of what what we know. <laughs> Yeah, the Talmud is like that. Um, there's some of the uh, some of the the uh, tomes that are about like kosher life, halakha. Um, also, do that kind of thing too. Like, oh well, we get this tradition from Hillel, or we get this tradition from Gamaliel. You know, they'll even go back that far, and that'll that'll be the basis for what they're doing. It's not necessarily the word of God or any sort of authority on exegeting the scripture and this comes this is where the authority comes from it's just quoting other guys right i saw a quote i think about um how they view what happened to jesus post um post death and uh i think that steered me away from that until i had a better grasp of of christianity going in i think it's smart uh, i've actually heard some preachers quote from the talmud in their sermons and it, it's just a lack of understanding what's going on there. It, it's exactly the uh, the trajectory that the uh, Pharisees were on in Jesus' time. It's it's just everything they taught, passed down, and and amplified over the years. It it really does have it has no place in Christian teaching whatsoever. Now it's interesting, and and it's it can be helpful in understanding what Orthodox Judaism is today. But it has it's nowhere near an authority. Or even helpful commentary for us, right? Right. Does it? Uh, have you read it to where? Does it give any cultural context, like some some other things that there is in scriptures? Sometimes uh, I haven't read deeply enough to say categorically whether it does or not. Um, certainly, with the quotes, you can understand if they're quoting a really old rabbi, even back to like first or second century. That's pretty interesting. But honestly, I think Josephus is better at kind of getting the picture of that time. Mm. Josephus, man, those histories are are pretty awesome. Really I've helpful. I've got it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, so good. I've, I've read bits and pieces, never, never gotten to all of it, but really, really helpful. Yeah. So the people were astonished. We're, we've, we talked about authority. Right. And, and so what do you think of this guy with the unclean spirit? So, um... Actually, uh, in one of the books I studied in seminary, it touched on this or glazed over it. Um, and 
I wanted to read just this one paragraph. Please do. Sorry? Please do. Okay. These are not my thoughts. These are someone else's. This is why they're so so more intelligent than my own. So prepare yourself. Have a seat. Strap in. It's about to be great. All right. Anyway, so one of the striking features of the gospel's exorcisms is the regular recognition by the demons of Christ's true identity. In fact, early on in the synoptics, only the demons grasp Jesus' full identity. Surprisingly to us, Jesus always rebukes these proclamations. But in fact, this is spiritual warfare at work. One of the keys to gaining supernatural power over an opponent is to invoke his name, Jesus' own strategy in Mark 5.9. The recognition formula is not a confession, but a defensive attempt to gain control of Jesus in hopes that the use of the precise name of an individual or spirit would secure mastery over him. But in every instance, the demon's ploy fails, and Jesus casts him out. That's all. Wow. Right. I thought that was super interesting. I I thought you would enjoy that. Super interesting. Yeah, that's huh. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna yeah, I'm thinking about that now. Um you know, it it, it is interesting. a lot of these unclean spirit stories in the uh in the gospels and uh, a, a lot of times there's they they do speak, right? They're and they're saying different things and um I I I always thought this was an interesting one because right, the demon doesn't really say anything that's incorrect or wrong and yet he's he's rebuked you know in my earlier days that that confused me i'm like well shouldn't i mean if he's telling the truth even though he's a demon he so we know that he knows god he knows the truth of god he knows who jesus is he knows all these things so why is he shut down and the conclusion i came to was it's not his place to tell this. Mm. It's not the demon's place to to proclaim the name of Jesus, who he actually hates. You know, he knows who Jesus is, but he hates him for it. Uh, right. He would actually, by by doing this, he'd bring contempt on the gospel if he were allowed to to speak and continue to go on. Absolutely, I've, I've heard a few different comments on uh on that in general, like they're. One, they're trying to oust him too soon, uh, trying to speed up his timeline. Um, and then another, uh, they're trying to be the ones to announce who he is. So whenever it eventually comes out, all the people will be like, well, the demon said that. So it's he's probably from the devil. <laughs> that That is a, a bit of trickery there, though. Mm. So Jesus rebukes him, be silent and come out of him. Uh, and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. A lot easier time than uh, than people were having in Acts, for instance. You know where where the demons were kind of fighting back on people and <laughs> and and bad consequences were coming. Right, right. What is your take on this as applicable today? I, I think I read uh, something a while back that said. Um, the reason it was so prevalent in in the in biblical times is because of Jewish tradition, and they were super into uh, the idea of demonology at the time. Yeah, um, I I think I'm not saying it's not possible, but I think you know uh, with Jesus having bound the strong man uh, and Satan not running about the earth to and fro uh, deceiving the nations. Uh, this kind of activity, this demonic activity, isn't 
isn't prevalent today, but I think it can be depending on what you're doing. Um, I, I definitely think that some demonic oppression could come in place if you're into occultic activities, um, you know, running seances or doing the Ouija board or all these other all these other kinds of things. Um, you know, the the prevalence of witchcraft, you know, coming back into our culture and and being cool now. I think you know maybe there could be some hotbeds of some strange demonic activity in in those circles. Um, but I think by and large, this isn't happening. Uh, we're we're in we're in an age of um, open and unrestricted access to the gospel. Right, like the um, the strong man being bound, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, which I don't. Maybe that's an take. Maybe some some people would disagree with me. I'm sure that's they probably would, but. I'm Maybe gonna step out in faith. So, uh, so yeah, that's so that's my perspective on the uh, demonic activity thing. But, um, but Jesus has full authority over that entire realm, right? He he's sovereign over everything. So it, we shouldn't be surprised that he had absolute authority to to make that demon go wherever he wanted it to go. So um, shouldn't be surprised, but but also awestruck because obviously the the apostles had difficulty with with uh, um removing demons from people so right it's god's right. work it's funny how that came down to a faith issue and not a god issue uh right. the more you learn about christology the more you realize it's it's faith and the holy spirit uh working through jesus through faith and uh <laughs> I always heard it differently you know you just always assumed yeah. well you know he's so powerful because he's god well right yeah. and wrong so yeah you know he is God, but but he uh, um, he didn't just run on that level and, and skate through life. Like in order to understand all of our afflictions and our weaknesses, he he was a man of faith. Absolutely, um, he he lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and and because he did, we can too. There's there's nothing less than godly about that. Uh, he wasn't less divine because he he lived by faith. He had to pray. Right, he wouldn't have had to pray. the 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 way that some people think about Christology, prayer shouldn't have been part of his life. Right, he could have direct access by his mind to his father. No, he prayed like we have to pray, and that's why the disciples can ask him, teach us to pray, because he had the perfect prayer life. Exactly, he's God, <laughs> and also sinless man. Exactly. Yeah, this uh, I'm t- I'm telling you, it's uh, radical. Your listeners, if they don't do anything Christological as far as study wise, they they really need to. It's deep stuff. I'm gonna put a link in the uh, show notes to uh, uh, to knowing Christ because that is such a good book. It is absolutely. And, I'm hoping and to it's get short. Yeah, me too. I I, I want to read that too. Um. So yeah. So uh. Yeah. So Jesus. Uh. I want to I want to ask you about this one question because I still think about it sometimes. Um, where the where the demon says, "What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us?" I think that's that's an interesting question. You know, like so the uh, um, the legion of demons that go into the pigs, they have a similar question. You know, they don't want to be sent into the darkness. They would rather go into the pigs, right? They don't want to be cast out into the darkness um have you come to destroy us do you think he's trying to taunt jesus into saying more than he wants to say at the time 
or or uh or is it is it just the the demon speaking through the man out of fear it has the time come you know it's I don't like know. Uh, there so rc's commentary in this because i was reading that as you were asking because he directly touches on it but it doesn't look like he really touches on it at all it's kind of like one of those you ask him a question and he responds with this long response but your answer is buried in there somewhere and you got to dig for it almost like you're back to reading scripture uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says this idiom distances the speaker from the person addressed it occurs elsewhere in the new testament and in the old testament um but i think it's it's more of a sign of if if i had to take my crack at it that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's build, He's working on building his kingdom down down here, and mm-hmm. he's destroying the other kingdom, which is the kingdom of of Satan. You know, the prince of the air. Um, right. And his subjects are like, "You've have you come to destroy us?" And what's funny is like, yes, but also no. Divulge. It's not the final judgment where where Satan and his demons and. And, and all the reprobates of the of the world will be sent into the lake of fire, you know. So it it is again that that paradigm of already and not yet. Right, right. That that'll happen when he returns, you know, to to reap everyone. The right, yeah, the final reaping, the secret rapture. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did you did you hop the fence? What what happened? You're gonna here? lose so many friends after this episode, and you're gonna gain so many little MacArthur's. That's right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, that that was my probing question. Um, okay, so uh, so the demon comes out, uh, and they were all amazed and questioned among themselves, "What is this?" That's a good question. What is this? You know, I don't think these kind of these kinds of things were happening in the ministries of the prophets, for example. You know, there's no there in my recollection, there's no big uh big stories like this coming from uh the pages of the Old Testament in any way. It right. does seem like something new is happening. Right. And I think um and this wasn't expressly stated anywhere. But Blom, Blomberg in that uh, passage I was reading to you, um, mm-hmm. he, he kind of ties it to the Pharisees. And I think it's how they kind of gained some of their fodder towards um, questioning uh, by whose authority he drives out demons. Oh, what is this new teaching? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what it is. He's, it's the authority of, of the devil. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So he's yeah he's so he's so effect well uh where is it's in Luke where he's like where uh where an accusation comes to Jesus and he's like um you know I I'm gonna butcher this but uh, I cast out demons by the finger of God you know if I cast out demons by the power of demons uh I'm I don't accomplish anything because the house yeah. divided against itself can't stand. But I think, uh, you know, I could see in in their quest to uh, delegitimize Jesus. Well, he's so he's so effective against them because he's actually their boss, you know, and, and they're faking it for him to to give him authority. Like you dummies, right? I uh, I tied it to um, Matthew twelve twenty two through twenty four, where I think he gets close to 
he warns them because they said that and he was like now hold up you keep pushing you're going <laughs> to blaspheme the holy spirit and attribute mm -hmm. something that god did by the devil um yes i'm i'm glad you touched on that 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 is such a good summary of what you know people have been tearing their hair out for a long time what is the unforgivable sin what does blasphemy against the Holy Spirit mean? And I think you just answered that that question that has, for some reason, ached people for a very long time. It's simple. Don't say it again. Say a word. Say that word again. <laughs> let, let the Heyman chorus follow. <laughs> Attributing something that's supposed to be God's to the devil. Holla. So I just Heyman. I just hey man so hard that uh, I broke, uh, <laughs> I broke dial pad. Uh, but anyway, yes. So uh, yeah, I think that's an excellent summary of that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the unforgivable sin, because you you so you 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 uh, you know so little of God, you have so little recognition of God and His attributes and His way that you can attribute His work to the the greatest of the enemies of God out of here okay <laughs> you know get out of here with this noise you have no idea what you're talking about um I that anyway that makes a lot of sense so yes yeah, so new teaching with the commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him I could see that as you were saying being kind of a two-edged sword you know somebody could say that in full belief that Jesus is the Messiah Somebody could say that as if they were trying to build an argument for for him being an agent of Satan. And that's right. really the, the dichotomy of the human heart right there. You know, we either we're either followers of Jesus or deniers, haters. And you that's Romans one truth. Said. That's exactly that's Romans one. And we'll take his truth and twist it to fit our sin. We've got plenty of examples of that around us. Happy June, by the way. <laughs> happy flood day happy flood day what, what's that lord's day the lord's day frog says uh please don't flood us please don't flood us i've seen that twice now <laughs> so it lets good. me know i've been here for a while <laughs> uh, uh so the last verse in our in our uh section here tonight in verse 28 is you know it, it strikes me i don't know maybe with a tinge of of sadness at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of galilee you know in one way that's a good thing right that people are are aware of the earthly ministry of jesus but but as we see elsewhere in in the other gospels that part of this fame is that these big crowds come who don't want to listen to the message they just want to see a sign uh and are are fooling themselves or or just coming to get a free meal because they know that Jesus would do he'd do a miracle and he'd multiply the bread and the fish they they'd fill their bellies up and they'd get a good story to tell their neighbors when they went home and i have to think that again since we're talking about the humanity of Jesus can't you imagine that that must have weighed on him in 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 sort of um emotionally maybe uh stirred him maybe made him maybe could have made him sad or or maybe even uh, righteously frustrated this sure. is this is what's happening absolutely i mean 
I was sitting here thinking as you were saying that, I was like, you know, we can totally relate that to the church today. Like how many churches have these good programs to help people get off their feet or, or take care of the, the poor and needy and widow. And uh, people take advantage of those systems all the time. And they, even the administrators and people in the church now are kind of frustrated and they want to find some good way of dealing with it. And you can probably relate that back towards Jesus, but he probably, he has, I mean, what does it say whenever he, uh, his disciples say to send the people away. Um, he says he had compassion on them and he fed them. Yeah. So I, I would imagine yeah. he was probably more sad, not necessarily sad, but kind of heartbroken. Like he was whenever he stood looking over Jerusalem, mm -hmm. the l lamentation he gave before he, uh, yeah. he proceeded on. Yeah. Well, he, he, that he would, uh, I would gather you under my wings like a hen gathers her chicks. Right. But then during Pharisees, wouldn't let him. Kept steering him away. Now, what yeah. what is a Pharisee? <laughs> well, it's somebody who cares enough about theology to tell people that they're wrong. <laughs> that's what we hear. Oh, wait, that's that's the online version. Never mind. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was just watching something by Chris Chris Roseborough, Fight for the Faith, uh, about false teachers, and uh, he mm -hmm. he. They defined Pharisee on there, and it was so, it was interesting because I never had taken the time to sit here and and, uh, and define Pharisee because anyone who is online on any social platform who does theology online can tell you that they've probably been called a Pharisee at least once. And at least. They're just talking about things that the Bible talks about and rejecting false teachers. And I think Chris defined the Pharisee as the other person, the person who's actually doing the false teaching. Mm -hmm. No, they, they definitely were, you know, they were, Jesus openly says that they were teaching the traditions of men rather than the scripture. Right. But, I mean, how many, how many people in the church could we point to, to say, you're doing exactly that? Um, no. Could we be uncharitable when we do that? Sure we can. We're sinners. But it doesn't make it any less true whether we're mean about it or, or very nice about it. The truth of the matter is that if you're teaching the traditions of men over and against the truth of Scripture, you are acting out of the heart of the Pharisee. You may be you know, a little less conspicuous about it. You could be a little more steep. You're not wearing the phylacteries. You know, you're not um, going and praying out loud in the uh, marketplace about how great you are and how bad the people around you are, but it, it's honestly, it's even worse because that subtlety makes you look more appropriate. Um, if you're being more subtle about, about those pharisaical actions, you know, Jesus used the word hypocrites. Like he'll often say Pharisees, hypocrites, kind of equating the two words almost. And hypocrite doesn't necessarily mean somebody who does the opposite of what they, of what they say. It's actually, it's a term from the theater, from the Greek theater. It's somebody yeah, who, who uh, wears a mask, so you can be you can be some kind of person and just put the righteous mask on, but but you're actually something completely different underneath the mask. And I think that is so um, appropriate, not only for that time but for us today too. You know, there are a lot of people in uh, the Christian world, some celebrities, uh, and even just normal lay people like us who do walk around with uh, a self-righteous mask on and, and actually are covering up um, sin and pride that they, uh, that they don't want to repent of. Um, it's better to hide, 
hide that sin and be well thought of in the community than to actually repent before God and be changed. Yeah. And, and I've resembled that remark. I'm not saying that anybody standing on the mountaintop. Um, I've certainly worn my share of masks in the course of my Christian life. By God's grace, I'll take them all off and never put one on again. But, but it is not this day. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But until then, there will be many a day where I rely on my own knowledge. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's the sinful default right there. Yeah. That's that's my final word. Um, what 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 last uh, bits of wisdom do you want to drop? I think I think uh, I think you about covered it. Um, the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and I think that that's where all of this comes to. Is he already announced the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and now he is bringing it forth by cleaning the dusty corners. I like it. Yep, I agree. Yes, and hey, man. Uh, Josh, where can the people out there find you online? Um, I have a link tree that takes you everywhere, but you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Just look up Shepherd's Cast. And I believe the link tree is in the show notes, so I tried to make this as blissfully easy for the listeners as possible. Sweet. So, you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> you can also check out the show notes for a contact point of Reform Meditations. You can also find links to the Bar Network, because Reform Meditations is happily, and by the grace of God, a Bar Network podcast. Uh, go to the link. You can find the entire slate of podcasts uh, on offer, and there are more joining the network at all times, it seems, uh, rapidly expanding to God's glory. Um, you will not regret subscribing to any of these shows. Uh, and then you can also click on the link to the Exiled House of Meme Lords, because, as we always say, the Reformation will be memed. All right, well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.